Hello, and welcome to Fighting Over the VCR. My name is Nancy. And my name is Matthew. Okay, and that's a little clue about two of the the childhood movies we watched together um, that we're going to talk about this week. We are tapping into a genre that I believe we've only done a couple of times before. Talking about some musicals. And ironically, these two... What other music... Wait, wait, wait. Grease 2 and Willy Wonka. Oh, and Muppets Take Manhattan. Don't forget Muppets Take Manhattan. Okay, so we've done three. Okay. Out of the over 100 movies we've talked about at this point, this will now potentially be our fourth and fifth musicals we've ever encountered. Now, just a heads up, listeners. I enjoy this genre of movies much more than Matt does. Matt is resistant to musicals. I am very, very open to them. I think I think my resistance to musicals is mainly um, it's got it's for a couple reasons. The main reason is there's a lot of musicals where the music seems almost unnecessary or dumb like the way the like how the words are and everything like musicals that I can appreciate are the ones we've reviewed although Grease 2 questionable that's like Um, a cult classic we we went into right yeah I mean but I really like the ones that I grew up watching as a kid primarily because I was a kid right And then, but sometimes the songs just seem kind of bizarre and yeah. whatnot. But also, musicals tend to be lengthy. Well, so before I hand <clears throat> it over to Matt to dig into the mus- the movie that he selected, let me share that these two movies came out within two years of each other. One came out in 1962. The other came out in 1964. And... The primary act, the primary character in both of these movies is a mysterious stranger that lands into these towns or the lives of the main, the other cast members and shakes things up. Um, One person is a little more nefarious than the other. (laughs) Later in the show, I am talking about the the less nefarious of the two, Miss Mary Poppins. But Matt is going to kick us off talking about... The Music Man. Yes. The Music Man, which came out in 1962 and is a about Professor Harold Hill, traveling salesman slash major con artist <sighs> who travels the country posing as a salesman, but is try- actually taking the money from people posing as someone who's selling boys bands. Now at the time it wasn't like he was selling in sync or <laughs> new kids on the block. Like give me money and join my boy band. It was, it yeah. meant like a marching band with like 76 trombones. And yeah, if they had set, yeah, 76 trombones for a boy band of the nineties has a whole nother meaning. But anyway, so Professor Harold Hill is on a train and I'm not going to go through the entire movie, but Mm -hmm. he is on a train 
and with a bunch of other traveling salesmen about to enter Iowa. And they're all talking about this Professor Harold Hill, but no one has ever really seen him or knows who he is. And they're all talking about him, how he's screwing up their 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 way of life because now no one trusts traveling salesmen anymore. He's like Hint. Kaiser Sose. He's like this urban legend almost. Like, who is this guy? Like, they've never put a face to this guy. Yeah. But they know he exists. He does not have the the power or abilities of Kaiser Soze, though. This is true. <laughs> but um, so he so he after overhearing them, he says, you know what? I'm, I'm going to give this town a shot. And everyone's like, well, who the hell are you? I'm Professor Harold Hill. And he gets off the train and then everyone's like, oh, my God. And he comes into Iowa, comes into a town called River City. And when the movie starts, you're given the impression that people in Iowa are very much like keep to themselves, very simple life kind of people. And don't want anyone interrupting their lives. Yeah. And he sees this as even more of a challenge. And basically throughout the movie, he starts convincing the town that they need a boys band, starts collecting money for uniforms and instruments. And then once, you know, the plan is once all the instruments and, and, uniforms actually arrive he takes the money and skips town and they're all everyone there is screwed you know and now at first it was kind of hard to nail it down but then a character says that they are in the year 1912 Yeah. yeah so you know we're talking uh horse and buggy kind of lifestyle here. Wells Fargo wagons. The Wells, yeah. Uh, I have an interesting, funny story um, about that. And, um, but what Harold Hill does not think will happen is he falls in love with the the librarian, Shirley Jones. Played by Shirley Jones. Now, now, I, I did skip this part. Professor Harold Hill is played by Robert Preston, who we previously saw in The Last Starfighter, mm-hmm. also as a salesman. Mm-hmm. You know, he falls in love, he has a change of heart, and eventually by the end of the movie, he actually does like have kind of a dream of leading a, you know, teaching these kids how to actually play instruments, even though he really doesn't know how to. And through their own will at the end of the movie can somehow badly play these instruments. But everyone is very impressed and it livens up this town, you know, this little small town. Why? Okay, go ahead. I was just going to say, and ultimately from the, like the last few scenes, like the last three minutes of the movie, it seems like, they all do learn how to play their instruments and like a year later because the the movie starts I think like 4th of July weekend in 1912 and it looks like maybe the parade that they're all having at the very end of the movie could feasibly be like the 4th of July parade for the following year is my guess I have I have a theory about that, but we'll get to that. That it's a big giant fantasy, and so and it's a giant. Mind. It's a big giant. It is a big giant fantasy, uh, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, but um. 
why did I pick this movie? Well, when we were young and first had the ability to watch cable television and have a VCR, um, it was one of those movies that we got a copy of and we wore it out. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe on the same tape was a collection of Disney cartoons of Chippendale mm-hmm. versus Donald Duck, which you can now watch on Disney+. Plus. And then after that was the er, like 60s movie that I think is also a Disney movie of Treasure Island, which oh. I think which which I think I only watched like once. I like I got even, through yeah. like I never remembered watching it because I didn't like it. It was like, oh, it's the Music Man tape. Then Music Man would end. We'd watch the cartoons and then, yeah. yeah, we're done with this tape. I don't remember watching that really either. I love music. Mm hmm. As does Nancy. And we've talked about this on previous episodes, our love of music. And probably some of that has to do with the fact that we were introduced to music, either through, you know, the fact that we had cable and MTV, but also because of the musicals that we watched. Mm -hmm. And um, The Music Man was one of those musicals that we watched a few times. And in my rewatch of this... I'm pretty sure I have not watched this movie in like 30 plus years. Me too. Absolutely. I was going to say 30 years. And I'll tell you this. The whole fact that he was a con artist, some of the aspects of the town, all of that were lost on me when I watched this as a kid. I don't remember so much of that. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden I'm watching this movie. I'm like, holy shit, this guy's a freaking asshole. Yes. What the hell? He's such a con man. And then, and then, and I was like, the next thing we know, he's going to convince everybody he can be a president of the United States. I'm glad you mentioned (laughs) that because I, I feel like watching it now, having Trump just been our president, (laughs) I felt very sensitive to the whole con man aspect of it, and it made me really uncomfortable. I mean, the fact that they kept asking for his credentials is like people asking for Trump's taxes. No, I totally agree. It felt the same exact way. Like, we want his tax returns. Oh, they're in an audit. Um, It just was so... It it was uncomfortable, and I'm just going to jump to something real quick. I kind of knew ahead of time that, like, Marion was going to be my favorite character. But only to a certain point. Marion, when she was suspicious of Harold Hill, was my favorite character. Lovesick, Miss Wishing on Evening Stars and Weepy Songs, Marion. Mm, I was over it by then. It's like, you knew he was a con man. And yeah, okay, she, he... He opened up your brother and finally got your brother to talk. And I guess that's a reason to be into him, but... I was over her, too. Like, I was kind of over everybody in this movie. After. Really? Yeah, I mean, one thing you forgot to mention, or at least maybe you hadn't thought of it, I think another reason we watched this a lot, or one reason that I felt nostalgic for it always, was our grandma was from Iowa. So I think I kind of always... I never, I never made that connection as a kid. I made that connection more watching it this time, where I was like... Well, this is kind of interesting. It takes because I had told like as a kid, I was like, oh, Iowa. What the fuck? And then I was watching it this time. I was like, oh, Iowa. That's where grandma was yeah. from. Well, I, I was always very aware of that. And um, I'm I'm a person that 
at some point in my life would like to say I have visited all 50 states and it, I've gone to Indiana twice and both times I've gone I kept thinking about Gary, Indiana I was advised that maybe it's not the best town to visit now so I was like okay I'll get over thinking about Gary, Indiana but just the idea of like oh Gary, Indiana I heard about that so- I heard about that town several times growing up because of the music man yeah not because of the f- like this is this is kind of you know you can kind of understand like our background a little more where like we, we probably connect to Gary, Indiana from this movie. Whereas, you know, people who like the Jackson five know that they're from Gary, Indiana, (laughs) but music, there you go. There's your connection. But anyway, yeah, I thought about that too while watching this and, and, um, it made me kind of hope and dream that um, our family wasn't like anyone from this Iowa town because they, I mean, who knows? It was like 1912 yeah. and our, our grandparent, my, our grandmother was older, <laughs> you know, wasn't even born yeah, yet. She so. was born in 26, so she wasn't even so, alive. Right. So, you know, I, I just had never made that connection as a kid, mm. but, um, you know, watching this, it's funny how like sense memory and everything works because like all of a sudden, like the songs would start and I knew, like, I remembered all the songs. Like I didn't remember every single word cause I'm yeah. sure I didn't get every single word as a kid, Agreed. but I remembered all the songs yeah. and one thing that also made this fun was I pretty much made my son watch these with me <laughs> because he doesn't like movies, but he does kind of dig music. Yeah. And they're not scary. You know, mm. there's nothing scary about these movies. And when like the pool, like I started the movie and he had, he didn't want to have anything to do with it. And then when the, pool table song came on he was like what is this and he started kind of watching he was like peeking around the corner and kind of watching by the time it got to 76 trombones in the high school he was marching around the couch yeah and that's he that's was really so, early and, and, I think that's within and, like the first half hour yeah and then um there you know little ron howard from know. you know director and from happy days and Andy Griffith's show is in this, and when he comes up on screen, he's like, oh, there's a kid in this. So he was all into watching it then, and we started it kind of near his bedtime, so I stopped watching the movie right after the library scene. And he was, like, all, like, we were, like, kind of singing it back and forth to each other. So while he was in bed, like, I was putting him to bed... I kept going, Madam Librarian. And then he would go, Ian. <laughs> and I was just like, this is awesome. <laughs> so I think that's my favorite scene. The library scene is my favorite scene. Yeah, it's that my whole favorite scene. scene. And there's, pro- you know, I'm going to make a confession here. I love Shirley Jones in this movie. She's amazing. I don't, I don't care. I don't, I mean... Her voice is a little different than I had expected as a singing voice. It's almost operatic. Yeah. She's as wonderful. opposed to like how Julie Andrews is when mm-hmm. we talk about Mary Poppins. 
and she had and, and I had looked and Shirley Jones was in Oklahoma which and Carousel which are other musicals but you know what everyone mostly knows Shirley Jones from is as Shirley Partridge from the Partridge family as the mom of the Partridge family and which of course is also musically based um but even in a more recent movie which is a movie that I really like to watch and it's just based it's just funny and silly kind of like Tommy Boy is she plays one of the roommates in the movie Grandma's Boy <laughs> and even in that I was like oh my god Shirley Jones is in this this is so funny and so great the library scene is the best scene um my favorite character is is Marion and I, I, you know, I would say that, you know, you make a good point that it's almost like two different movies. Like the first movie is like the first part of the movie almost seems more like how is Harold Hill going to fool all these people? Mm -hmm. And the second half of the movie kind of turns into like more of a love story. Yeah. And. And I don't buy it, honestly. It's too fast and he's not there very long. Well, and then she she even admits like she like she's skeptical the first time she meets him. And that whole scene with her being skeptical is great. And then she later you kind of see that she finds a book that in the library where she can look up some of his past and debunks him. And, you know, she tries to like she try. there's a scene where she takes the book she gives it she tries to give it to the mayor to to catch him you know so you know everyone might get their money back but then she sees how happy everyone is that there that the wells fargo wagon is coming and we're delivering all the instruments and she tears the page with the proof out of the book and then gives him the book and decides to hide it and I guess the thing is, is that at the beginning, in the first half of the movie, you really start to learn, like, she doesn't really like the town. Like, she doesn't like how people are in the town. And she's constantly arguing with um, a lot of the mothers in the town about the books in the library that she suggests that the girls and and the other kids read. And she just has this struggle where she just feels like they're not... I, I want to say, I guess, like, not as sophisticated as yeah. she is. They're not very, as well. They're small-minded, and they're, they're, not, yeah. they're not curious. They're, they're very conservative, and they don't want their daughters reading ball, Zach, um, right. among other things. And it's, yeah, it's a struggle for her because she clearly right. is educated. And, yeah, you're right. She feels stuck in that town. So I feel like when she sees how he's helping kind of change the mindset of the town by introducing this boys band, even though she knows it's a con, even though she knows it's a con, it's almost like she's sitting there like, damn, maybe this will like wake this town up, but it ends up, but then it kind of changes to like, now she's madly in love with him. And she's like, you know, she's singing this very, this song about how she just wants to fall in love and, and, and everything. But, she's not really like that at the beginning of the movie. Yeah. So it's kind of, it, it does feel kind of like the movie, the movie, then the story changes to where it's like almost two different movies. Yeah. Well, it, it really, for me is so that scene, like the Wells Fargo wagon comes, she has the book, she's about to talk to the mayor, but the mayor gets caught up in the, 
the hoopla of the of the instruments arriving, and it's once her brother gets his instrument and he's so excited he's like sister sister look at this isn't this wonderful look at this it's like he is finally like woken up because he's been in this two year long depression since their dad died and I think that is the only reason she starts to switch you know it's like finally something has gotten through to little Winthrop and he's actually talking now and he's excited and in fact he even sang part of the Wells Fargo wagon song and yeah. before that, he'd hardly said anything up to that point. So I think that is what changes her opinion. And to me, it's like, yeah. okay, I get it. But he's also totally swindling all of you. Great. Yeah. And this whole well, think system. Come on. I mean, we'll it's all a that. big con. Yeah. yeah. Well, um, speaking of the Wells Fargo wagon scene, I mean... In your, in my life, that's one of those things that, like, has kind of always kind of become part of our narrative, yeah. like, our, 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 our vernacular, you know, the whole Wells Fargo wagon thing. Yeah. So, I'm sitting there with my son watching that scene with the Wells Fargo wagon, and everyone's all excited, and they're singing this song, and everyone's, like, running out of their house to go meet the Wells Fargo wagon and everything. And I'm explaining to my son, you know, I'm like, so the reason why this is so important is because they're a small town and it's not like today where the post off, like the mailman comes every day or we get delivered, you know, all of a sudden the FedEx guy is outside delivering an Amazon box or anything like that. Right. So I'm explaining this to him and they start singing and everyone's running to the Wells Fargo wagon and he turns to me and he goes, do they do this every time that the that the mail gets delivered? <laughs> <laughs> and I I cracked up. That's I was excellent. like, this is this is so great. Well, he has been, he, you know, and I remember when he was younger, he got very excited over FedEx trucks. So yes, he was very into the FedEx. I don't truck, know if he so. still is or not, but. Uh, every once in a while, when we're driving, when we're driving around, if we pass one, he's like FedEx. <laughs> but um, that's awesome. Do they do this every time the mail just shows that, up? I just love that. <laughs> in hindsight, like looking at back at this movie, you know, is it like the greatest movie ever? I no. mean, it's a musical. I mean, they remade this with Matthew Broderick as. Um, Professor Harold Hill and I was like, what? Really? I don't Never remember saw that. It. Oh. Never saw it. Yeah. yeah, it came out in um, I want to say like the 90s or early 2000s. Mm. I think the the joy I got out of rewatching this was hearing some of the songs that I remembered growing up hearing, um, getting to watch Shirley Jones, mm-hmm. and then like watching how excited my son got. Good. And it was like and like every time like they were marching, he was like, come on. And he was, like, trying to pull me off the couch to, like, march around the couch with him and everything like that. So that's good. That that was kind of the joy I got out of it. Unless he asked me to watch it, it might be another 30 years before I watch this again, because I I agree. Like, I had a definite kind of connection to this idea of this guy's a con man and. I don't, you know, and we're li- we've con- we feel like we've lived through a four-year yeah. con, you know. So yeah, I f- it was I, just kind of yeah, it, it was, it, it was that a lot. part of it left a that left a bad taste in my mouth, but yeah, um, it was and but I again I I thought about grandma and the idea of it being her being from Iowa and the story being in in Iowa and you know that kind of stuff. I so. mean, minus the con man aspect. I mean, 
You know, this movie really kind of shows a slice of a certain time in America, you know, this yeah. Midwestern America. You know, we also grew up, I don't know how much you watched it, but I certainly watched a lot of Little House on the Prairie. And Little House on the Prairie Not takes really. place about 30, 40 years before this movie is set, but it's in the same area. Like it's set in the Midwest. So, I mean, just, and there's, there's certain characters like the mayor and um, Mrs. Shin remind me of a couple of the main characters from little house on the prairie. Do you remember who Nels Olson and Harriet Olson were? They owned the shop. I didn't really watch it. Oh, okay. Um, the only thing, the only thing about little house on the prairie, and I know we spoil everything, but I won't spoil this. Um, the only thing I remember about Little House on the Prairie is when um, they had, like, the huge finale. Oh, yeah, yeah. The big thing that happens in the town yeah. happens. I That's the only thing I remember is really? watching that. Okay. Yeah, it's really kind of strange. This must have been more of a me and mom show. I remember it was on NBC and on Mondays at, like, 8 or 9 o'clock at night, and she and I would watch it. Um, when I was a kid, there's, a, there's a, my second grade school picture. People have said that they think I look similar to Laura Ingalls Wilder from my second grade picture. So, um, again, I've always kind of connected with it, but that, that is another thing that kind of makes me nostalgic watching music, man. It kind of makes me think a little bit of the about time period. Well, no, the time period is not right, but more the setting and just oh, okay. really, I mean, other than it's not like, it's not like the transportation and technology had changed that much between those times. I mean, obviously the town was a lot smaller and, you know, yeah. Walnut Grove was a lot smaller than River City. But that general kind of like, this is definitely olden days. <laughs> this is yes. this is definitely more than 100 years ago. <laughs> well, I was glad that at one point the mayor says what year it is. So because oh, I was thinking because I was sitting there like. What year? What, I mean, I kind of know what time period is this is, but what what are they actually kind of trying to target here? I looked it up before he even said it. I because I, oh. I was like itching to know. I'm like, when is this? Because I I was really I would have looked, to, it, I would have looked it up if they never said it, but then he said it. So. I was being impatient, but um, <laughs> I also really like. I think I sent you a little video of it. I I really liked the barbershop quartet in this like the four yes, dudes yeah, like yeah, yeah. i and and you know they were just all part of Harold Hill's con i mean because they were you the mean, one you mean the buffalo bills yeah is what they were called <laughs> yeah um, the buffalo bills you know they they were i think the main guys in addition to the mayor trying to track down his credentials and Every time he would bump into them he would you know he would get them on a little song which again because it's a musical, everybody already knows all the lyrics, and they just kind of just start yeah. singing along. But they had this perfect, like, four-person quartet harmony kind of thing going, and the first thing they ever sing together is ice cream. And I'm like, mm -hmm. yes! <laughs> it just made me laugh so much. I'm like... Ice cream. Ice cream. Ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> We apologize, <laughs> listeners. We really do, but we are very silly, and yeah. But, oh, okay. The other thing I had to look up. I like Tommy more than I like his girlfriend, Zanita. Her and her Zanita? Yeah, her and her yee-gads. Yee-gads! I, I wanted to smack her. Like, she was getting super-duper annoying. Um, great honk. Okay, great honk. Okay, so Mr. Great Honk. I had to look him up, because I'm like, I wonder if he ever did anything else. 
he died when he was 39. Like, he died in the late 60s, and I was fairly shocked because, you know, he really was kind of like the, a main a main guy in the supporting cast. I'm thinking, he had to have gone on to do other work. Like, how do I not know what else he's been in? And nope. For a second, watching him, I thought he... Because of his, he was a performer. I was like, this guy had to have been like at least an extra in West Side Story. Me too. I thought and, that same and thing. And he was, and he wasn't. But, yeah. but you never know. Yeah. Ah. So, so I mean, I'm glad we rewatched it again. I, I like you. It'd probably been thirty something years. Um, I'm not in a hurry to watch it again. Um, it's very long. This movie was two and a half hours long, and I was like. Okay. Um, cut all cut all the songs out, and this movie is easily ninety minutes. Less if than that. that. Less oh, than that. yeah. It's because there's a lot of songs. I mean, there's, there's and you have to, and you have to pay attention to the songs because some of the song, like the whole opening with the train, it's basically a song, but you have to listen to what they're saying because they're basically telling you all the backstory of yeah. Harold Hill. Yeah. And if you're not paying attention, you're just going to be lost. But. Um, or the or the whole um, mom used to always reference um, the ladies with the in the chicken scene the mm-hmm. the pick a little talk a little pick a little yep. talk a little cheap 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 cheap, cheap. yeah <clears throat> that whole scene mom used to kind of reference and it's so funny because like the way they do it is they show the chickens mm-hmm. and then they show them all with their feather hats mm-hmm. from the top like they're the chickens t- yeah. like, gossiping and telling yeah. the stories and everything and. Um, yeah, mom used to reference that yeah. a lot. But I mean, so. those ladies too. I mean, I guess I guess it's also kind of nuts watching like how fully successful of a con man he was because he was able to pick up on any little thing that his target offered. Like like the mayor's wife, like she ends up having like an ache in her foot and she moves her foot in a weird way to like get a cramp out or something. And he goes, "What did you just do? Do that again." Do it again. And he's, she's like, what? She goes, he's like, oh, your movement. You need to be in charge of the dance char- the dance chapter of here. I'm like, what? You know, I mean, it's like he was able to offer just a little amount of flattery to these people. And they were just putty in his hand. And to me, I'm like, oh, my God. Like, it just, it. It was uncomfortable, you know, just kind of watching. It felt, like, ki- it felt kind of rapey. Well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't call it that, but I would. I don't know. It was. It would. It would be like. It was very much like. It it had a creep factor. Like the yeah. the one like the other incident is when he goes to the mayor's house, and the mayor is trying to is just trying to catch him. She he's mm-hmm. like I don't I don't believe this is a, this is true. I want your credentials. Blah blah blah. And he's waving his finger at him, and he like convinces him like. Your son probably has that same finger wag, so he could play this instrument perfectly. And he, he, he and he almost has his money. And right when he's about to hand him the money, he's like, "I don't even have a son." Yeah, I mean, it's it's like they get it, he casts a spell on these people, and that's why I was so disappointed in Marion falling in love with him. I'm like, "Ah, oh, goddamn it! She's not even in, he's she's not impervious to his." Uh, his spell casting. Damn I think. It. I think. I think the thing though is when she saw him with her her brother mm-hmm. Winthrop. He she kind of saw a glimmer of like some of the things he was doing was like good hearted maybe and not necessarily all part of the con. 
And yeah, yeah. Regardless of his his intentions of just being a complete sleazeball and fleecing right. these people, he actually had a positive impact on a couple of things. Because even when he's being told, like, oh, they figured it out, they're coming to tar and feather you, and the whole town is, you know, running all over trying to find him, even when he kind of finds out, you know, he's disappointed, and he tells her, and he tells Marion the truth, and she's just kind of like, I don't care. And I think the fact that, like, it's almost like, he had kind of she he kind of feels like he has changed and yeah. you know he's willing to kind of pay the piper and everything and not not try and run away and everything so yeah. but it's not done very well yeah it's not done in a very convincing way to where like you really really feel for this guy yeah to so oh, I, I see where you're coming yeah. from i will say something i was thinking about earlier today watching this and seeing like how he's just like a con artist and he's very open about it and then like he bumps into his buddy um buddy hackett in the town like he's landed there or whatever um it got me thinking on like a subconscious level i think this movie got me very interested in gangster movies because i've always liked gangster Mm. films and maybe him not being like him being kind of this like anti-hero kind of leading person maybe he was kind of like that first experience i had with that Maybe I understood as a kid that he was a bad guy. I don't know, but I'm just reaching for straws here. But, yeah, Yeah. I was, uh, I'm not not in a hurry to watch this again. If I really need to listen to some of the songs, I'll download them, you know, (laughs) and then I don't have to suffer through watching Mary and fall under his spell. But it's interesting. We both like her the best, and the library scene is both our favorite scene. I love it. The library scene with how big the dancing gets and um you know being on the upstairs levels it reminds me of the dance hall scene in west side story you know the the mambo yeah a little bit just kind of the size of it and because it's the teenagers it's not like the the older you know like the parents Mm -hmm. or like little kids or anything yeah Um, but anyways yeah that that we probably watched music man before we saw Mary Poppins, I think, or maybe around um, the same time. It was probably around the same time because I remember seeing that pretty early on too. So Nancy's going to give us a little bit of background on the film Mary Poppins, and I have a couple little stories to tell about that movie. Perfect. Too. Well, Mary Poppins came out in '64, stars Julie Andrews and Dick Van Dyke and David Tomlinson, and. This is a movie I've easily seen 40, 50, 60 times. It's a, it's probably um, one of the most, like, kid-centric movies I've rewatched in my adult life. I've probably seen it at least five or six times as an adult, or, in, like, in the last 10, 15 years. Um, I love this movie. Mary Poppins is this very mysterious character who comes into the lives of the Banks family, when they are in a lot of trouble. This is set... So this movie set two years before Music Man. It's set in 1910 in London, um, which, honestly, what, comparing these two movies, I think London as a setting is a hell of a lot more interesting than River City. I was kind of bored with River, small town River City, especially compared to, like, London. Although one thing that's interesting mm-hmm. about this movie is how many, like 
sets in this movie in Mary Poppins are like painted backgrounds. That's okay though. I mean, it's and, still more interesting. I mean, to look it's at. it's a definitely it's a different production kind of thing. Whereas it, it looks like River City. A lot of it was. I mean, it was both movies were all filmed on a stage. Yeah. You know, they were not filmed. You know, in actual London or in actual yeah. Iowa. They were all filmed on in like Los Angeles on a soundstage, yeah. right? But but there's things that there's there's things that Mary Poppins does visually that I think are just so much more interesting. I mean, she's magical. I mean, let's let's yeah. be real here. She's she comes in as the nanny to Jane and Michael Banks and their dad George is a banker and he is super uptight, wants order, wants you know, firm direction for his young children, wants them to grow up to be respectable people and for whatever reason, this is something we need to go over. For whatever reason, their mom can't do this. They need to have nannies, which I don't really understand. Looking at it now, like, why the hell do they need a nanny? Why can't the mom just do this work? But whatever. Maybe she's incapable because she's so busy being a suffragette crusader. Uh, well, I think th- I think that that is... I mean, we can go into this later, but that's one of the whole points of the movie, is how the two kids are not don't have a connection with their parents. Correct. And a big part of the whole magic of what Mary Poppins does is help kind of bridge that connection. Yeah. between child the children and the parents. Yeah. And hence the, hence the metaphor of like the wind changing direction. Yeah. Yeah, the the movie starts with Jane and Michael having run away because their kite got lo- got loose, and their nanny, Nanny Kate, was just over it. <laughs> she was like, "I'm tired of these goddamn kids. They're they're little ruffians that don't stay around. They just cause all this chaos." Goodbye. So it became this whole quest. We need to find a new nanny, and George had these very clear ideas. Put out an ad in the paper, but the kids had ideas too. They wrote their own letter. And somehow um, the torn up letter got up into the sky and Mary Poppins got her hands on it and she arrived and in a beautiful scene with lots of wind gusting away all like what 30, 40 applicants for this nanny job. She ends up being the only one and she she gets to also cast a spell on really more on George than anybody. She anybody else. She kind of just talks her way into convincing him like. Uh, yeah, of course I'm the right nanny and I'll go Mm -hmm. upstairs right now and we'll get to work. And I mean, from the very moment of her, not just, not just flying from the sky down onto the street, but then like she gets in the house and like, she's able to zip up the rail, the, the banister to go upstairs. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think you and I probably watched this movie with like our eyes big and wide, like, Oh my God, who is this magical person? And can that actually happen? Well, I think all, I mean, there was a, there was similarities, you know, we did not have, you know, neglectful parents Mm -mm. or anything like that. We had a good connection with our parents, but it was a brother and sister Mm -hmm. with an older sister and a younger brother. And, um, there were many times when, you know, the two of us were forced, you know, just based on our age or just circumstances like we had and we had babysitters like Mm -hmm. it it was never they were never 
they were never as magical in the same way as Mary Poppins, but we had magical babysitters who entertained us and took very good care of us. Shout out to Laura. Oh, yeah. Laura was the best. Remember how she used to write, uh, um, like, create scavenger hunts for us around the house? Yep. I mean, things like that. You know, it was fun. Oh, we should should tell tell this one quick thing, though. Why would we ever need babysitters? Our mom sold Tupperware for a while when we were kids. So we would need someone to hang out with us in the evenings. Luckily, by the time we were born, we didn't need, although she would have done it, but she didn't need to be a suffragette. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) She would have done it. Yeah. I don't remember even how long mom did that, but there were probably like two years or so where, because Tupperware parties were held in the evenings at people's houses and um, we would, it, it couldn't have been. More than a couple times a month is what I'm guessing. I mean, well, and it wasn't and, that often. And you know, when we were growing up, like having a sitter come and watch your kids so you could like do everyday mundane things and and like get away from the kids, you know, not a big deal. Yeah. Whereas like it really kind of feels like these days, like either, I mean, I have a five year old and I don't know any like sixth grade or young teenagers that I could call to watch my son. But I think a lot of parents just feel like they don't want anyone to be watching their kids. I mean, maybe that's just because I haven't experienced that yet. Yeah. And maybe, or maybe I just haven't found the right ones. I mean, I know that, you know, whatever we were paying, my mom was paying back in the day was probably not equivalent to what it, what the charge for a babysitter is now. Yeah. But I, I kind of like look back on that and then it, it, and it taught us some independence a little bit, Oh yeah. even though we had a sitter, but it also made us not really that scared of having someone else there. And we were respectful and it's not, I don't remember us ever getting in trouble when we had a sitter. I mean, but, but we certainly didn't run away. No. And and we never treated the, the, you know, we never treated any of our sitters like they treated some of the nannies who, because, I mean, they really kind of depict early 20th century nannies as, like, not the most fun people in the world. And no. that's why Mary Poppins is, like, this big eye-opener. It could also be because they're British. I mean, there could be this very Maybe. English thing about stern... Um, you know, you just do not, you know, children are to be seen, not heard. I mean, there could be very cultural things about. Specific- but also there's like, like a homeliness too, like, know. you know, of the nannies and I don't know. Go ahead. But, um, but you know, Mary Poppins lands and like the kids are just like, they can't believe it. Like, who is this woman? And, you know, right away she, she starts with, you know, spoonful of sugar and snapping fingers to clean up the house. And it's like. This is amazing. Like, how many times have you wanted to just snap your fingers and have, like, everything all tidied up? So I made, well, I, not coerced, but, you know, I basically convinced my son to watch this with me as well. And he was pretty engaged for a while. And then, you know, he, there's part, there's there's parts of this movie that get kind of slow. Like mm-hmm. when, once they hit the, like when the kids go to the bank and then stuff like that, yeah. you know, it's kind of, and it's kind of hard. I, th- I think that part is like more kind of speaking to the adults. Yes. Whereas, you know, the chimney scene and jumping inside the drawing is a little more speaking to the kids watching the movie. When we were watching the, 
um, the kids cleaning the nursery and the spoonful of sugar and everything like that. I was like, don't you wish you could clean your room like that? And he was like, I can't do that. I wish I could. <laughs> like, just snap your fingers and everything went away. And honestly, I wish he could, too, because his room is fucking messy. <laughs> he has a lot of toys. He's five. Yeah. <laughs> cleaning, cleaning is not a priority for him. No. Playing is. <laughs> Playing is his job, according to him. So, but anyway, yes. From that point on, it's like, yeah. what the hell is going on? Um, right before the spoonful of sugar part is one of my. I mean, probably the most memorable scene in the whole movie is when they first meet her and she's unpacking yeah. and with the carpet bag yes. and taking stuff out of her bag. And then she starts measuring the kids with her, with her tape measured. Like she, she, it looks like she's measuring how tall they are, but then it like gives her like a glimpse into their personality yeah. and it's hilarious. And, and how, and know, how I, is she measured in that? She is measured as practically perfect in every way. Yep. <laughs> yep. She's fantastic. Well, and, and I think there's also kind of, there's a little bit of her voice, but because she wears her hair like tight up and everything and it's dark, I think there was also kind of a part of it that reminded us of mom a little bit, maybe. Uh, still does. There you go. Yeah. I told, I She's told, always I, reminded me of mom. I told Sherry after, um, like while we were watching this and I was like, when we all went to Disneyland last year, granted, Nancy has only been to Disneyland twice. Yeah. Right. As, as twice. an eight or nine year old. And then two years ago for our, my nephew's birthday. Fourth, but I really, <laughs> I really regret not making mom dress as Mary Poppins and going to <laughs> going into Disneyland. They don't really allow you to do that, but I think that would have been great. And unfortunately, it rained one of the days we were like, mo- like the, day the day I we there. was there. It was so and crazy. So Mary, po- they do have someone who dresses up as Mary Poppins at Disneyland and we didn't get to see her. We were, I was kind of bummed. Isn't there really a Mary wanted. Poppins but cafe there? It's somewhere? called the Jolly. It's the Jolly Holiday. Oh. And Mary Poppins apparently typically hangs out around where um, there's an area of Disneyland where, um, like, uh, women can go to nurse or you can go and, like, if you have a baby, you can go and change your baby there so you don't have to, like, do it out in the open or in a bathroom. Mm-hmm. It's it, it's really nice. And apparently Mary Poppins hangs out around there, which makes sense because yeah. she's a nanny, right? Yeah. So, anyway. So... But, yeah, that's my... But that's my favorite... That's easily, like, my, the most memorable scene for me. The idea of her having her magic carpet bag where she's taking, you know, house plants and, and giant lamps and everything in a coat and, rack. And a mirror she can really see herself in because that tiny little yeah. mirror is ridiculous. Come on. Yeah. Um... And yeah, her fishing out like, where are my purple shoes? Come on, they gotta be in here somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, but Matt, I had to tell you something. So I fully expected rewatching this that I was gonna like be full gusto, like, oh, of course, Mary Poppins is my favorite character, and she is still, but a really, really, really close second, and maybe more so is Bert. Oh yeah, Bert is he is like the audience. And, you know, he's talking, telling us kind of the story. He's played by Dick, Dick Van, Van Dyke. Yeah. And this was probably our our introduction mm-hmm. to Dick Van Dyke. Mm-hmm. There was lots of controversy 
about him playing this role because <laughs> his accent as a his Cockney English accent so great. It is almost as bad or maybe worse than Keanu Reeves' accent in Dracula. <laughs> no, it's better than that. Come on, Matt. But it's pretty bad. Like we were saying, lots of wonderful things happen with the children and Mary Poppins. But she does this thing with them. Like she takes them, you know, she takes them to they end up visiting Bert and they jump into the chalk drawing and then they like have this like fantasy land experience. You know, they're, they're living, you know, they're spending the day doing this like cartoon adventure, the jolly holiday and all this great stuff. And then well, she, this de- time- she denies it. Then later, like the kids want to talk about how great it was. And she's like, I don't know what you're talking about. And I don't remember that about the movie. Oh, really? I didn't remember, remember her, how like, she, like, shutting them down and saying, shut the fuck up. We didn't do that. I mean, and it kind of bothered me. I'm like, why is she gaslighting these kids? Why is she, like, <laughs> not letting them be excited about what they just did that day? Why is she shutting it down and gaslighting them? And there were a couple other things um, that happened like that. But Bert gets to really... He gets to hit the soft, gooey center of this movie. And jumping ahead, like Mary Poppins had said, I need every other Tuesday off. So on on her day off, she has more or less cast her spell on George again and said, you need to take the kids to the bank. Like, you need to spend the day with them. And why not show them where you work? Because this is, you know, you spend so much time there. It's so important to you. And she had already kind of told them about the lady with the birds and got that mm-hmm. into the kids' heads about how important it would be to help feed the birds, blah, blah, blah. So this whole drama at the bank happens. You know, he takes him down there, and they all think, you know, Michael wanting to spend money on food for the birds is totally ridiculous and frivolous, and then they, like, freak the kids out over what your money can grow and do. And I'm thinking, the last time I looked at my bank statement, my savings, like, earned 18 cents last month. So (laughs) I don't really think we're going to be building, like, canals in the Nile and ships and but whatever you live your dream huge drama happens and everything gets well it start it starts a bank run it starts and, yeah and and that ultimately leads to some very crazy things yeah but um it it was like the second bank run that bank had ever had so the it first was one dramatic. being the Boston Tea Party <laughs> which is hilarious um you know, and after when the kids are running away because they're trying to get a, away from this like horrible incident that happens at the bank, you know, they bump into Bert, and you know, Bert gets to try to like explain to them, I can't imagine that your dad is that upset with you, and they're like, oh no, we don't even think he likes us. He doesn't like us. He doesn't love us. You should have seen the look on his face. He was so angry, and he's like, well, your dad has no one to talk to. Your dad is at his yeah. job, and he's, like, in a prison at his bank. Like, who does he talk to? You have your mom. You've got Mary Poppins. You've got you each got other. You've got the constable. you got the cook. You've got yeah. all these people to, to take care of you. Your dad's got nobody. So, like, Bert's trying to tell the kids, like, give your dad a break. But it sets it up so that my favorite moment in the movie, which wasn't my favorite when I was a kid, but as an adult, it just makes me cry every single time, is... After the whole chimney thing and all the all the chimney sweeps are together and it's Bert and George alone in the house 
and George is so pissed off because he's just gotten the phone call that he's going to be fired and he's got to go back to the bank just to get his official, like, humiliation and you're fired moment. Mm -hmm. He's talking to Bert and says, oh, my God, it was fucking Mary Poppins who did this to me. She tricked me into taking my goddamn kids to work. And Bert is like, that is outrageous. How dare she do that? And then he, like, they have this moment where Bert is basically like, Time goes by really fast. Your kids are only little for a really short time. They're only going to look at your little your face and look for you, look to you to be the person who solves everything for a really, really brief moment, and you got to appreciate it. And yeah. every time I hear that song, I swear to God, I cry. Because George finally opens up, and I feel like that is the whole point of this movie. Like, that is the whole crux of this movie, is that George has to, like get out of his own way, embrace a little bit of silliness and be there for his kids. And like, yeah, that is the scene that does it. And it just, I get choked up every time. Well, we, because dad was kind of in a, he's an accountant and he had kind of that finance background. I think that we, there was always kind of this kind of thought, like this kind of little bit of a connection to the dad. Yeah. But da- dad was not he was he hung out with us and we did stuff together. But he, but he, he had to work late. But he had to work late nights. And when you were when you were little and I think I think maybe when I was really little, but, but maybe before I was born, he had to travel mm-hmm. for work. And then, he you know, built because his business. he because he, he built his own business, he was he would, you know, especially and then during tax season, he would work 24 hours a day. And there was times we wouldn't see him and everything like that. But we never felt like he didn't like us. Hmm. Um, we just but, missed him. You know, we just missed him. And there was always that kind of like. So I think that there was a little like yeah. a subtle connection that we felt like to the idea of like being a, a son and daughter of someone in the finance kind of business. Yeah. But that you're right. That is that is a really great scene, and I think the scene that I end up, I probably have that same kind of connection to is really just the end when he comes home. Yeah, and yeah. he's kind of seen. You know, he he's heard. He has now fully engulfed what Bert has told him, yeah. and realizes like that he needs to have that connection with his kids. Yeah. It, it's it, it's interesting because my my wife Sherry had not seen this movie. <laughs> that still kills me. When did she finally watch it? We watched maybe like five or six, seven years ago, or well, but we wa- so we watched it before the movie Saving Mr. Banks came out. Yeah, which kind of t- which tells the story of the writer in getting this movie and her struggles with getting working with Walt Disney to get this movie made. Mm-hmm. And and I I think that's a a good movie too. And it doesn't really shit on Mary Poppins the movie to me, but mm. it's kind of interesting seeing the background of how a, a dramatized back like backstory on how things kind of happen. But even in that, it's a lot about the relationship between the kids and the dad. Mm-hmm. And or um the 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 writer and her dad. And I think as an adult, we connect a lot with the parents in this movie. Yeah. And and as a parent, like, I understand the struggles of, like, 
having to devote so much time to my job. Yeah. And wishing I had, I wasn't tired from work or still had chores around my house to do. And it's time where I'm not getting to play with my son. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and I, and we do our best. And I think now also with like how moms, you know, when this movie came out, you know, moms, there was moms that stayed home, but you know, the whole idea of, of the mom being kind of, you know, not being as present, you know, having the nannies and having the cook and the, and the maid and everything like mm. that, kind of taking care of the kids and her just being a suffragette and, and everything, which it just, it, it doesn't like kind of play into the time frame because of that. Like as a parent, I, I just feel like it's, it's an interesting watching it as, as a parent and seeing the struggles of them not being able to connect with their kids. And then I just think about it as like, I don't want to be like that. I want yeah. to try and have the connections with my kids as much as I can. Yeah. And there's a lot of parents that, you know, have to work long hours. And yeah. especially these days in the Bay Area, it's, it's you, I mean. It's Dual income to, families are kind of required. Right. So from that aspect of it, I connect a lot with the storylines of the adults. Yeah. But I remember being a kid, like connecting with the kids <laughs> yeah so and and you know like i said there are some similarities but we were not like jane and michael banks really but um you see you know it's funny you know watching a movie when you were a kid and then watching it now and how different it some of those characters seem yeah. you know it's not just like you and it's not like there's one protagonist that you have to have to watch and you watch that that's the main person that you're watching as a kid and as an adult on this movie you can watch it from different points of view Mm -hmm. which is interesting i i would say that the biggest change for me watching it as an adult um and really it was just more today was noticing the whole mary poppins gaslighting (laughs) i mean and and honestly like it was probably about seven eight years ago when I had watched it again, because I've, I've, like I said, I've probably seen it like five or six times as an adult, at least. I mean, I really like it. And it was one that would be on TV all the time. Like, even nowadays, yeah. like, it would be on, like, ABC or it would, it would cycle on. So it's like, oh, it's on. Oh my God, I have a movie like that, Matt. Um, Shocker. I know. Although uh, I'm not surprised it's a musical because I you like musicals. music. So. Um, but I, but really, in like the last ten years, the the element of like that conversation between Bert and George, like that's a song I've listened to driving around in my car. Like I, oh, I wow. download it, and and it's hard because it's like when you're driving and you're getting emotional, it's like, okay, why am I listening to this right now? Yeah. But it's just just his his him having to come to terms with like this utter disappointment in his like professional life, and then Bert trying to point out dude, <laughs> what's really important? You know, you, you have yeah. a really small window of time with your kids cause they are going to yeah. grow up and then they're going to leave and that's it. And it just, you know, when you're older, you know, thinking about how much time people have really changes yeah. versus when you're a kid. So especially nowadays when we can't see people and everything. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 Um, what is your favorite song from this movie? Um, I don't know. 
I mean, it's funny because as you're watching it and you're enjoying like each of the songs as they come up, it's like, oh, I really love this one. Oh, I really love this one. Um, I think the one I would get in my head a lot, even though I don't even really understand or know the words or how they go, it's probably Step in Time. Like that one kind of, you know, the rhythm of and it gets like yeah. so it gets so there's so much energy in that song. Um, next time you next time you have a chance to see my son whenever this whole lockdown thing gets lifted and whatnot that I think that was his favorite song because yeah, it's he so went, fun. he was jumping all over the couch like step in time <laughs> kind of thing and I was kind of hoping he'd pay more attention to what they were doing and like try and like when it was like run on the rooftops and he would like run around or something like stuff like that. But, um, my favorite song is probably, it's probably either spoonful of sugar or jolly holiday. Yeah. I think I remember you really liking jolly. Yeah. And that's really sweet. You know, it's fun. And, uh, and I did like, cause we had gone to Disneyland as kids and then, I've gone maybe four or five times as an adult with my wife because mm-hmm. Sherry loves Disneyland. Yeah. So I always like going to like the Jolly Holiday Cafe and eating in there because there's like penguins and stuff all over. Um, but another funny thing is so I had mentioned that my wife had not seen Mary Poppins. Now, I will say this. I will say this. That is the, movie, the sound of my mind being blown. But the movie that she grew up watching was The Sound of Music. Yeah. And I had not seen The Sound of Music. So we both had those kind of... the. We had Julie Andrews movies that we needed to watch, so... Now, I um, had seen Sound of Music. I don't know... And, and, and I thought Sound of Music was was great and now it is it it is now in our like christmas rotation we Mm -hmm. watch it every christmas but um we're watching the first time she had watched it we're watching it and i'm not trying to embarrass her but this is just so funny is she um she goes oh my god it's like it's like the music that plays when you walk into disneyland and i just kind of looked at her like yeah, <laughs> it's yeah, it's from Mary Poppins. <laughs> Did she get mad and, at you for not having made her watch it sooner? Um, no, she sure like. And her favorite song, um, she was telling me today, and and because she watched, um, she watched it with us, and and uh, her favorite song is at the end, the "Let's Go Fly a Kite." Yeah, when I love really, that and, song. And that too. and that is so. That whole scene, like when. You know, he has his he has his turn and and he turned, you know, and, you know, he thinks he's lost his job and he's and, you know, none of like that, like and he laughs at it like that doesn't matter anymore. And because he see he's had this whole conversation with Bert and everything. And um, it's just such a great, like, nice scene. Yeah, Um, I will say that. I remember laughing at it a little bit as a kid, but not really getting it. But now that I'm full of dad jokes, I love, love, love the I met a man. I met a man with a wooden leg named Smith. And what was the name of his other leg? I love, love, love that. So Jack came in when that came over, showed up and I turned to him. I said, oh, my God, that is such a dad joke. <laughs> yep. I met a man with a wooden leg named Smith. I, what was the name of his other leg? 
<laughs> I have to tell you, the Uncle Albert scene with them all laughing. It's goofy. It is so goofy. But also, I kind of understand Mary Poppins in that scene, like being like. Rolling her eyes the like, whole time. Oh my God, like, you guys, you guys are ridiculous. But then when they finally were like, okay, we need to go. And he's like, oh my God, that's so sad. That's the saddest thing I've heard. Oh my God, why is everybody <laughs> going? And it's like, finally, something. It kind of reminds me of the burping scene with the fizzy lifting drinks in Willy A little Wonka. bit, yeah. You know, just this whole idea, like, something's, you know, what what can they do to solve this this levitation problem they're having? But Yeah. Yeah. And then it turns out that uh, Dick Van Dyke as the banker, who's in insanely amazing makeup as this crazy old man, he ends up dying like that, too, because of the wooden leg named Smith. Yeah. Uh, you know what? So, so that scene. So there's you have this great scene where they're all flying kites and this wonderful song and everything. Yeah. And then when the son banker, who is still old, right? Yeah. Says to him, he he that he laughed himself to death. I was like, man, this movie has a very dark ending. To think that George, like Mister, like George Banks killed him and murdered him and then took his job. Matt, <laughs> that guy was hella old. He was like gonna die any day. <laughs> he was probably like pushing 100. He could have maybe remembered the Boston Tea Party. I mean, he was so old. Yeah, he was really old, but no, I'm I'm so glad we got to rewatch this movie too. And and this movie is also two and a half hours, so I had like five solid hours of movie watching today. So I'm kind of worn out. <laughs> but did any of the, did any of the songs start blending together or anything? Or yeah, I mean, I, kind of. I mean, I think that's kind of what happens with musicals because a lot of they use a lot of the same kind of rhythms and lyrics from previous songs into later songs. That's just what musicals do. Um, yeah. But but I mean I've certain I've easily seen Mary Poppins like I said probably forty or fifty times in my life, m- many more times than Music Man. I'm, if I had to count how many times we saw Music Man, probably like ten or twelve or something, maybe maybe a few more than that. Uh, it it, it you I know mean, it's hard because if it was on a tape that I always watched, or. It was just available or whatever. And I remember it being, I want to say it was on like TBS a lot. I don't remember that, but I don't, I'm not arguing with you. I believe you. Yeah. Um, and I'm looking this up and the Matthew Broderick music man came out in 2003. Mm. And I think it was just a more of a made for TV movie. Mm. So that so this has a remake. Your Music Man has a remake, right? And then a, a year or two ago, there was Mary Poppins Returns had come out, two which years. I have not. Two, two years, years ago, ago, which I have not watched. You haven't. No. Okay, I saw it. So I saw it you in the did. theater. Yeah. Oh, you did. And how did? What did you think of that? Well, I wish I wish you'd seen it so I can complain about a couple things and reveal a couple things. Um, Emily Blunt is amazing. She is a perfect, you know, next, you know, she the, the baton being passed to her was seamless. I thought she was wonderful as Mary Poppins. I really loved Lin-Manuel Miranda. Um, I can't remember if he played Bert or another character, but he played a, like, the Bert role. Um, he was really great. Um... I'll just tell you a plot point. This doesn't ruin anything. 
but the Banks children, Michael and Jane, are now adults. And Michael Banks is insufferable. I hate his character so much. Ah, uh, okay. He, he's a lot. He he causes me a lot of problems with the movie. And Does, do you get do you get anxiety watching the movie because of um, him? I don't remember having anxiety, but I I really really disliked what they did with his character. He has three oh. children. Um, okay. And yeah, and. Um, and it, but it's clearly not like a remake. Like sometimes they it's say, a "Oh, it's a continuation of the story." It's a, it is a because sometimes they've done like that's kind of like the nouveau thing to do, where it's like, "Oh, it's the like the return of this," but it's the exact same movie, yeah. and, and just with like they've changed a few things just to make it like they're saying they're not remaking the movie. Yeah, you know, I've only seen it the one time in the theater. Um, I do remember liking a few of the songs. I can't remember how they go. Um, but there mm-hmm. were a couple, like, sad, weepy songs that were really good. Um, it's worth watching at least once to say uh, that you I watched will. it. But, I'll watch but, it. But um, I believe it's Ben Winslow is the person who plays Michael. Let me double check. It's, it's on. Well, I, I do was just. Do you have just, it up? When, um, no. But when I was doing a little bit of research, I was actually kind of shocked to find out that the young actor who played the original Michael Banks um, died when he was 21. Yikes. Yeah. Oh, it's not who Ben knows? Winslow. It's Ben Winshaw. So he plays Michael Banks. Oh, Emily Mortimer plays Jane. And she's really she's really lovely. Um, I like her a lot in general. Um, well, I'm going to ha- I'm going to check it out because um, Meryl Streep's in it, too. She plays she's a cousin. Of course she is. Of yeah. course she's in and it. And she's in it. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, I mean, I'll probably rewatch it sometime, but um, the Michael characters, I mean, I don't want to like poison your mind or anything, but he's really I'll try and I'll try and forget everything you just said. <laughs> I bet you'll agree with me, though. Yeah. Well, well, I thought, I, I think that it's interesting when, um, you know, Disney has done this a lot with a lot of their stories where they try and do like, especially like their animated movies, how they've been doing like new versions of their but live mm-hmm. action versions of their animated movies. Mm-hmm. And I think they were kind of on this idea like we should redo Mary Poppins, but not redo Mary Poppins, you know? So let's see how we can do another Mary Poppins and continue on with, continue the story instead of redoing the story. And I'm, and I'm totally on board with that idea. I, I really, I think wanted to try and see it in the theater, but ever since I became a dad, seeing a movie in a theater is more challenging because a, he doesn't go to movies and B he's only five. And he was three when this came out. So, right. Um, Um, and, and, um, and right now, not like any of that fucking matters. Yeah. Um, I wanted to correct the record. Lin-Manuel Miranda does not play Bert. His character's name is Jack, but it's the same kind of role. It's like the same yeah. function. So. It's the, the, it's Jack, the guy who took Bert's um, one-man band slash um, artist oh. slash chimney sweep uh, job. Okay, so, <laughs> d- so I watched Music Man first, then I turned on Mary Poppins, and I saw, like, the very beginning... When Bert is, you know, with his like whole one man band action, I was like, oh my god, he's basically everybody that um, bought instruments all in one person. 
from the music man. Like he's able to be every part, every role. Actually, that's how Bert like made ends meet. Is he just sold all those instruments to the music man, you know, and that's how he made ends meet. I'll tell you, you know, I went to UC Berkeley. I don't remember anyone that talented on the streets asking for money. Like there, there were the pan flute bands that you know were on the streets every now and then, which were there were. What about the drum circles? There was tons of drum circles. I don't remember. I don't remember where those would have been. But if there had been like a Bert, like doing street, you know, chalk drawings and stuff. You'd have thrown him a a, a, tuppence. A tuppence or something. Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, this was fun. I, I, I mean, I, I will say like Mary Poppins is a story that I, I like watching the music man. It was nostalgic. Um, but the joy I got out of rewatching these is also watching them with my son. And I think that that is one of the great things about movies and the great things about, um, being able to share the experience. Like when I first watched Mary Poppins with my wife, you know, as an adult, we were both adults. Um, that was fun too because it was the first time she had seen it, so that was that was interesting. So I yeah. know your mind is like blown, My but uh, maybe maybe she felt the same way about the first time I watched Sound of Music. And it's not like I didn't know any of those songs. Those songs are so popular, right? Yeah. But um, well, it was also nice to be able to kind of revisit musicals, these two movies, because you know we talk a lot about a lot of heavy movies so to like kind of have a switch gears a little bit and talk about yeah. something ultimately a little lighter is I mean if you take the, if you take the if you take the music out of these movies it's basically like a con man and a witch <laughs> come come and try and you know manipulate people <laughs> but you know well, this was a lot of fun. Um, hopefully, uh, if you have seen these movies, we made you laugh or think about rewatching them. Um, and if you haven't seen these movies, Give you it know, a try. they're they're old. You probably should. You probably could have seen them by now, but I don't know. Show them to your kids, though. It's kind of if your kids like music. Yeah, they'll they'll get a kick out of watching these, hopefully as much as we did when we were kids. So. So, again, thank you very much for listening. This has been Fighting Over the VCR. My name is Matthew. My name is Nancy. Thank you very much, everybody. Bye. Bye.